What's up, guys? Rick here with your DFS preview for this week's Wyndham Championship. It is the final event of the PGA Tour regular season with the FedEx Cup playoffs starting next week. I'm going to take you through the golf course. We're going to look tier by tier through the fantasy pricing and see what the data has to say for this week in Greensboro. couple of quick notes. The PGA Tour schedule for next year just got released, and there is that two-week window in which there are no PGA Tour events events. Uh, it's the shortest off season in sports. Actually, two weeks is longer than it normally is. Usually only one week. That time is historically when I can do major significant updates to the website. Um, you know, throughout the year, I'm able to do kind of little stuff along the way, but Ideally, that's the time where I can sit down for two weeks and focus. So this is it. Last call. I put this out a couple of weeks ago. If you have any suggestions, questions, comments, concerns, uh, things that you want to see, whether they are small or pie in the sky, now is the time. Ideally, you email me. Uh, you can go to rickrungood.com. You can go under more, click contact Rick, or you can email me. It's, it's uh, rick at rickrungood.com. Email me. That's the best way to get a hold of me. I might not respond to all of them, but I will read all of them. I put them in a suggestion folder and I deal with them during those couple of weeks. The other thing is, since we're talking updates, and I will um, talk more about this at the end of the show when I go on to do the custom model, I was able to just push a new update to the custom model. So a bunch of new stats have been included. There are now up to 52 different metrics that you can use in your custom model. Um, things that I added that I know you guys were looking for, bogey avoidance, the breakdown of strokes gained on different whole uh, pars and whole lengths. So par threes from 125 to 150, 200 plus, par fives, you know, et cetera, et cetera. Also strokes gained putting uh, by 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 surface. So that's Bermuda, Poana, Bentgrass, for example. So those are in there for you now uh, with more to come, but I just wanted to point those out here and we'll, as usual, run a model at the end of the show. Okay, let's jump into this week's DFS preview. Okay, here's the course key stats tool. Sedgefield Country Club uh, has played host to this event for... A, we, we have great data on it, right? And it's been basically towards the end of the season for a while. So it's generally played at the same time of year. So this is very, very good uh, statistical golf course. Everything you see on my website, rickrungood.com. There are a lot of different ways to get it done at Sedgefield, in my opinion, right? Um, you know, I think historically, if you go back and look at some of the past winners and a lot of the guys that have success here, whether it's Kevin Kisner or Webb Simpson, um, you certainly do not have to be long. In fact, tipping it out like what 7150 on a par 70 is not very long and what you generally get in that region of the United States is, you know, those overhanging trees where you've got to kind of be in the in the fairway, not only in the fairway but also kind of on the correct side of the fairway if you want to access some of the pin locations that we're going to see. It's another Donald Ross design, so we go back to back weeks at a, a Donald Ross course. We're going to get another one um, coming up here at at East Lake in just a couple of weeks, and you're going to get those slick Bermuda grass greens. I think this is a place where a lot of different guys are are going to be capable of getting it done but I would prefer playing out of the fairway um you know there's a stat that we'll look at 
called uh, distance from edge of fairway. That's a good stat. Good drive percentage. I think that's also a good stat. Distance from edge of fairway just says when you miss the fairway, how much do you miss it by? Some guys miss it by a lot. Some guys miss it by a little. And I think because angles are going to be a little bit more important this week, that's an interesting stat. And then good drive percentage, kind of similar, right? That's that's one we use a lot at Harbortown where it basically says, um, did you hit the green in regulation or the fringe in regulation based on your drive, right? So it's like, did you give your... Did did you put yourself in a position? No. So good drive percentage is, I think it's, uh, oh boy, driving accuracy. And then if you miss the green, miss the fairway, did you hit the green or fringe in regulation? It essentially says, did you give yourself a chance to hit the green? Right. That's what it says. And a lot of that is based on angles and not being blocked out and golf courses that have trees or overhanging limbs or things like that. It becomes a lot more critical. And then, um, this golf course in general is fairly dependent on uh, the the conditions. Last week or last year was much more dry than a normal kind of late summer uh, North Carolina season where you kind of get hot, humid, thunderstorms, rain. It can play a little bit softer. So if it plays softer, you know, the winning score likely to be 21, 22, 23 under par, something in that realm. Uh, last year, I think it was like 13 or 14 or 15 under par just because it played a little bit more firm, a little bit more fast. So we'll keep an eye on the weather as we get into the week, but that's generally what you're going to be looking for out of, uh, out of your players this week. The cheat sheet. Yes, let's go. Um, Five guys over $10,000, and there is a lot to break down here. Again, we don't have a golfer in the $11,000 tier. Wills Alatoris, the most expensive at 10.9. So think back to last week. I think Patrick Cantlay, uh, Tony Finau, where they won in two in terms of most uh, expensive, and they finished both in the optimal lineup. Uh, Cam Young was, I think, 10-1 or 10-flat. He was also over $10,000. He could have been in the optimal if you swap out one of those guys. So all three played played very, very well. We've seen a pretty good stretch of that over the course of the past couple of weeks. Um, Will Zalatoris. Last week I came on here and I was like, you know, this is not a particularly good golf course for him, referring to Detroit Golf Club. And I wondered if, hey, is the raw talent just going to allow him to find success? And he goes out and he finishes T20 at the Rocket Mortgage, which I would say I'm impressed with, even though the fact that he didn't necessarily, um, he didn't pay for himself, right? Like you didn't get a lot of value out of Will Zalatoris. If you played him, you were probably quite disappointed, especially compared to the other high-priced golfers in the field. But I think that's a pretty good sign. I don't think Sedgefield is all... It's also not like a really great golf course for him, but I think it's a little bit better, right? Because when he sprays it, you know, if you look at his, if you look at his stat profile, let's just look at this here. Um, he does tend to lose it off the tee a little bit, right? And again, I, I keep thinking back to Torrey Pines where he lost in a playoff to uh, Luke List as probably like one of the ideal spots for him because he's longer off the tee than you would expect, 15th on tour in driving distance, much less accurate. And here's that here's that um, distance from edge of fairway stat. This says when you miss the fairway, how much does he miss it by? He misses it by 30 feet on average. That's 157th on tour. If we go back, distance from edge of fairway was like one of the most highly correlated stats to success here because you got to keep it in play. It's definitely a little bit noisy. It's a noisy stat, but look at look at the other things. You know, keeping it out of the right rough, uh, keeping it in play, distance from edge of fairway, consecutive fairways hit, driving accuracy. These are all highly, highly correlated stats to success outside of like the main strokes gain metrics or the main common stats. They, they all seem to point in a direction of 
of accuracy off the tee. So I actually, I still am like a little bit bearish on Will Zalatoris, but I think I prefer him a little bit more this week than I did last week because that's a really good finish at Detroit Golf Club for probably one of the worst uh, setups for him. Webb Simpson is next. Boy, what do we do with Webb? $10,700, which I'm going to assume is the most expensive we've seen on Webb in, actually, he was kind of fairly short uh, a couple of weeks ago. Yeah, he was 10-6 at the John Deere. So 10-7 is the most expensive since the 2021 RSM Classic, uh, which is very much a Webb Simpson course. And the 2021 RBC Heritage, he was 10-7. He was 11-1 at the 2021 Sony Open. So we are getting into a web course where he is one of the favorites. And I got to tell you, I'm kind of worried about it. Um, he has lost strokes from T to green in three consecutive events. If you scroll back through the Rick Rungood database, when is the last time for three straight events, Webb Simpson has lost strokes from T to green. It was right here. Uh, 2016, right? Over six years ago, he had a stretch from Valspar, to the Wells Fargo Championship in which he lost strokes from Tita Green in four straight measured events. Now, he actually had the, the Masters in there, which he finished T29. We don't get the strokes gain breakdown from the Masters, so it's possible that he has not lost strokes from Tita Green in three straight starts maybe ever in his career, right? If we assume that he gained... No, he would have done it here. He would have done it here in 2010, right? That's how far back we are. So that's pretty concerning to be looking at a very expensive Webb Simpson who is really struggling. Now, the argument for Webb here is uh, no one, no one has the history around Sedgefield Country Club that Webb does. He's got 10 top 11s in his last 12 trips, including a win in 2011. He's on a stretch of uh, five consecutive top sevens here. So that's kind of the juxtaposition. Did I use that word correctly? I'm not sure if I did, but we'll we'll go with it. Uh, I will probably not be able to get there on web. Uh, we'll see what the ownership is later in the week. I'll do a live show, Rick run good YouTube channel, 3 PM Eastern time. We'll, we'll have some ownership projections. We'll get this buttoned up, but the, the lackluster T to green play with the fact that he is now in the midst of his worst putting season since 2016, right before, like this was like when he went through, this is when they banned, uh, anchoring and he had to use a short putter and he couldn't figure it out for two years. And then he started to figure it out. Yeah. Like that's, that's what we're in. And I got to admit, I'm a little bit, I'm a little bit worried here. So probably not web for me. The rest of this three, uh, <laughs> I wish there were three K the rest of this 10 K range. Yeah. I think I'm in for it, right. Shane Lowry is probably, um, one of the, I don't want to say disrespected, but like undervalued golfers of the year, right? And he doesn't have a win. Last 36 rounds, he's the best player in this field. Um, it's not even really all that close. It's him, Will Zalatoris, kind of a gap to Davis Riley. He's gaining 1.89 strokes in total over the course of his last 36 rounds. He's doing it across the board. He's been he's been phenomenal. If you want to play Shane Lowry, go for it. More power to you. I've, I have no problem with that. The other thing is, when you dive into um, Lowry's profile here and pull up his stats, you'll see he's a very good driver of the golf ball, quite accurate, um, long enough, right? He's top, basically top 60 in both of those categories. Uh, I, think, I think Lowry's a great option. Sung J.M., by the way, is next. So it's Sung J.M. And, and Billy Horschel. Sung J., you're not going to get any arguments from me either. Uh, his history around... 
Sedgefield is is great as well. There's only a handful of guys who have like a lot of of uh, rounds played here, but if you want to talk about guys who played at least 12 rounds, Sung Jay's on the very, very short list. T6, T9, T24 in his three trips. That's the last three years. You're looking at his recent form coming in. Played well at the uh, 3M Open. His ball striking numbers were phenomenal. He finished runner-up there. That's the last time we saw him. No problem going back to Sung Jay. And then Billy Horschel, you know, there, there's kind of this thing where the 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 cheapest guy in the 10K range seems to get a little bit of a boost in terms of ownership. Because I think people, when people start their lineup and say, I want to play a guy in the 10K range, you start to split hairs and it's like, ah, they're all kind of the same. I'll just take the cheapest one. Um, Billy Horschel would be that guy this week. Coming off a 21st place finish at the Open Championship, we have not seen him since. Talk about history around Sedgefield. 11th in 2018, 6th in 2019, runner-up in 2020, didn't play in 2021, but he is one of like the rare, he's like one of these rare high upside golfers with legitimate win, win equity. You know, you we used to throw like Kevin Na into this category, Cam Champ is in this category, Billy Horchel certainly in this category where it's like, he's probably going to win somewhere every single year. I don't know where it's going to be, but he's probably going to win somewhere. You know, and he did that um, not only at the Memorial, but you look back and he won the BMW PGA Championship earlier. Um, that was at the end of the end of last year. He cashed the match play last year as well. Like he's just going to win somewhere, like once every twelve to eighteen months, and. Um, He's playing really, really well, has plenty of upside. He is certainly, I think, one of the more higher risk options in, in this uh in this tier. The nine Ks. Um, I am going to probably pass on Russell Henley, which could bite me, and I'll probably go down to Corey Connors. So the, the situation here is Russell Henley did just enough last week at just the right time where he's likely to be popular this week, right? So if you look back at the larger run of golf from Russell Henley, from the Players' Championship until last week, it wasn't very good. You know, he had been basically a slight positive on approach, which is something that you never want to see from Russell Henley. Russell Henley is a guy who gains a stroke per round on approach. For him to be a slight positive over eight starts, that's a little bit worrisome. And he did just enough, right? He finishes T10 at the Rocket Mortgage, gains five strokes on approach, looks good in the ball striking categories, looks great from T to green, and now he goes to a place where he's had a ton of success. So everyone is saying, okay, well, here we go. It's Russell Henley week, T7, T9 in his last two trips. I don't know. Um, you know, if you just look at the last eight, the, the week he had last week's an outlier. You know, is he going to regress a little bit to what we've seen in kind of a longer term? Or will he regress or at least go back to kind of that that longer term Russell Henley? The other thing is, still putting very, very poorly. Um, even poorly than than, than usual, right? Um, he, he's, he's lost strokes in six straight. Four of them have been at least two strokes uh, that he's lost over the course of a week. That's not very good. And then you've got someone like Corey Connors right below him, who hasn't played since the Open Championship, uh, finished T28 there. He has gained strokes off the tee in 38 of 39. Yeah, 38 of 39. By the way, also putting much better, right? Go back to the match play, match play or even the Players' Championship. Since the Players' Championship, let's run that. When was the Players' Championship? The 13th of March. So let's go to the Holy Grail. Everyone in this field since... Um, that would be the 13th of March, 2022. Everyone in this field 
from 313. Is that going to get me? Do I have to? That will include the uh, players, correct? Yes, it will. Okay. Uh, strokes game putting. Let's just see. Of guys who have a decent sample size. Denny's number one, obviously. Brandon Todd, JT Poston. Okay, okay. Where's Corey Connors? Okay, I thought he'd be higher than that. But he's still probably 30th, which for Corey Connors is great considering you're a ball-striking magician. $9,600, gaining a third of a stroke per round with the putter. That's the same amount as Billy Horschel, Mackenzie Hughes, Brian Harmon, guys that you would consider legit putters, right? Better than Shane Lowry, better than Davis Riley. Better than Brian Gay, although Brian Gay has got a lot more rounds on the senior tour. But those are guys that you would consider to be much better putters. Not true. Not true, at least since the Players' Championship. Uh, Corey Connors has been very, very good. And if we are, uh, if we're snapping streaks of guys who don't win enough, right? Xander doesn't win enough, goes out, wins like 10 times in a row. Tony Finau doesn't win enough, goes out, wins 10 times in a row. Corey Connors probably doesn't win enough. That one win handful of years ago is it let's get him another one feels like a pretty good spot for him the rest of this 9k range i'm i'm not too smitten on um adam scott had like a couple of good rounds last week had a disastrous i think it was either friday or saturday rounds has finished runner up here uh in the past that was that was last year i think that's okay i'm not super stoked about it the 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 final three guys of this range they all lose fairways to the field right so when you have hatton losing and and scott losing and and um and hv3 losing and you've got the other like Corey connors is just my favorite play in this range and i i just don't think i'll i'll be deviating from that too much before i go to the eights i mentioned um course history around this place and i kind of wanted to just show you what's going on here so I've gone to the Holy Grail here, and I've just loaded everyone in this field and their history at the Wyndham Championship. As I noted, Webb Simpson by far number one, like most number of rounds, gaining 2.15 strokes. It's crazy. Sungjae is actually right there. So Webb is 2.15. Sungjae is 2.12. Just Webb's done it four times as many rounds, right? So small sample size. And then Denny McCarthy. So the reason I wanted to do this in the 8K range is because... Uh, golfer three, four, and five in terms of course history with smaller sample sizes show up in the $8,000 range. Also, golfer number uh, seven does as well. So there's kind of a plethora of good course history in the 8K range. Denny McCarthy's played here 16 rounds. That's four times 1.69. Um, no finish worse than T20, uh, T36. Back-to-back years of top 15s. Kevin Kisner, who is our defending champion and missed the cut last week. So that's kind of an interesting little nugget, uh, is in here as well. 1.6 strokes gained per round over the course of his last 28. And then Justin Rose, only 10 rounds, T5, missed cut, T10. And remember that one of those T5s came in 2009. So if you're just looking at the last two years, it's T10 and a missed cut. So I don't know if I'd give Justin Rose as much credit for the course history as some of these other guys. Um, Siwoo Kim is here as well. Siwoo Kim is... Very, very interesting. And we're going to do, a, a, a obviously, a betting show with Andy, and I want to pick his brain in terms of, like, one-and-done options. Siwoo Kim might be the one-and-done option this week, right? It's, like, late in the season. Uh, you're running out of options. You want a guy with legitimate upside. Well, he's won this event in 2016, and then the last three years, he's finished fifth, third, and runner-up. Um, he's more volatile, for sure. Missed the cut in his other two starts. But a 1.5 strokes game per round average over 20 rounds is the third best average of anyone who has played this event as much as he has. 20 rounds. So this 8K range is 
absolutely jam-packed. That doesn't even include Tom Kim. Um, it doesn't even include JT Poston, other guys that I like. So when I start to parse this out, you can probably get a lot of, a lot of um, exposure to these guys. We're going to need to see ownership on Wednesday. We'll do that on the live show, and it'll be loaded on rickrungood.com probably Tuesday morning at some point. But I'm really interested to see what people do with Kevin Kisner. Kevin Kisner off a missed cut because Kevin Kisner was had a really good history around uh, Detroit Golf Club as well last week. Never got anything going. What will the industry do with him this week, especially with Siwoo Kim lurking here? Right? Is Siwoo is Siwoo's history worse? He has a second, a third, and a fifth. Kisner has a first and a third. Siwoo Kim's like you could argue is better, right? History and playing better. So we'll see what what the um, industry does with Kisner. And then Tom Kim's here. Tom Kim or Ju Hyung Kim or J H Kim, depending on what site you're looking at. He just won't stop. Right? A seventh place finish at the Rocket Mortgage, 26th at the 3M, played well at the Open Championship, 47th, third at the Scottish Open. Um, very accurate off the tee, incredibly accurate off the tee. You'd think this would be another good spot for him as well. And then, quite honestly, JT Poston, how excited am I for JT Poston? I think you have to be quite excited. If you go back to the power rankings, last 36 rounds, JT Poston is the sixth best player in this field. He's priced at $8,200. Sixth best player in this field who, when he's going well, finds fairways. When he's going well, he putts well. When he's going well, he wins events like this, which he did in 2019, and he's won in his last three starts. John Deere Classic, right? I mean, could I could I find a better option at $8,200? I, I, I really like that. So jam-packed $8,200 range. Um, Going to have exposure to a lot of these guys. In fact, there's there's a case to be made if I'm only playing Corey Connors in the 9K range, I'm going to have, I'm just gonna, I'm, I'm definitely going to have a ton more guys here than I am um, than I am in the 9K range. And, I, and I'm okay with that. So we'll see how ownership breaks out. But that's that's a very, very exciting tier of, of, of golfer to go to. And actually, I think Tom Kim is the number one golfer yeah, basically in jock market, stock market DFS. So without a win, Tom Kim returns you 100% ROI every week on average over his last 10. So this is stock market DFS. You bid, you buy shares of golfers. You can then sell them. You can short them. Tom Kim on average, $3.18 in IPO, average payout $6 a share based on his finishing position. So like if you look back at if you look back at last week, um, you know, Tony Finau's IPO was $8.95, paid out $25 a share. But even someone like Taylor Pendrith, who was $6.15 last week in IPO, paid out $16 a share. So a lot of different ways you can get it done. Here's Tom Kim. $5.55 last week, $13 a share in the final payout. So um I think some of those 8K guys might get lost in the shuffle when it comes to jock market, which I'm interested in as well. So you can go. We're going to have an IPO uh, power hour Wednesday night, 8.15 p.m. Eastern time. Rick Run Good YouTube channel. Also, you can use the code Rick, deposit, get your deposit bonus. It's a very, very fun format that gives you access to every single golfer in the field. Okay, the 7K range. couple of guys you can point out here as well. Let's start with Mark Hubbard. Mark Hubbard was very popular last week and missed the cut. I think he was very popular, wasn't he? Wasn't he like 18 to 22%? Uh, 16%, 16%. Okay. So 16% owned misses the cut. Are people dying to go back to Mark Hubbard? Probably not. Should they be? Probably because that missed cut was his first missed cut in one, two, three, 
four, five, six, seven, eight starts in which he had a third at the Barbasol, a fourth at the Barracuda. I know those are weaker field events, but a T13 at the John Deere, right? And what does he do well? Mark Hubbard, when going well, uh, quite accurate off the tee, when he misses fairways, doesn't miss by much. I think he can get it going, right? Get hot with that. Get hot with the putter, right? That's probably his 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 biggest strength. Gained five strokes putting at the Barbasol, three at the John Deere, three and a half at the Travelers, 2.75 at the RBC Canadian Open. He can get hot with that. Um, not a bad time to see if he checks in at like 7% what people are going to do with them and if it's time to buy back in. Quickly on Scott Stallings, uh, it's clear that he's playing well, right? Um, luckily he hung on to that top 10 wager last week, finished T10. Thank you very much. Scott Stallings. Um, look at his top tens, Charles Schwab, travelers, John Deere, rocket mortgage. Okay. He missed the cut at the big boys, us open Memorial PGA championship. Okay. This is, this is not going to be a major championship this week, right? The Wyndham Championship's not going to be a major championship. Scott Long's playing very, very well right now. The other one here, um, don't forget Adam Long, right? Adam Long was popular a couple of weeks ago, or at least popular for me, at the 3M Open. Again, this is probably a, this might be a better spot for him. So now he's got four consecutive cuts, four consecutive top 25s. Also, throw in the T15 at the Mexico, throw in the T12 at the RBC Heritage. He can get hot with the putter. He can get hot on approach. Kind of like a... I don't want to say he's risky, but like a little bit inconsistent in the good ways where sometimes he snaps off and he gains six and a half strokes on approach. Sometimes he snaps off and gains nine strokes with the putter. Otherwise, like the rest of his game is pretty consistent. He's going to play out of the fairway quite a bit. Uh, I Adam Long might win this event, right? I think I saw him 40, 50 to one. That'll probably get my attention at some point this week. And in the 8K range, or excuse me, the 7K range, it's a pretty good deal. Some of these other guys, Chris Goderup, I'll, I'll catch you down the road. Very uh, long off the tee, quite inaccurate, unless he's going to club down or something like that. But the other thing is, you know, these these Bermuda grass greens, they're a little bit nuanced. I think experience on the putting greens um, comes in handy around here. And I, I'm not... Again, I'm not. I'll just I'll just catch up with with Goddard up down the road. Same thing with Cam Champ. Cam Champ's been very good with very good to us. 16th and 20th, and that 20th the Rocket Mortgage was with. Oh, I gotta look this up now. A disastrous was it Saturday or Friday? Oh boy, now I'm gonna have to look this up. Let me build the narrative around Cam Champ here. Okay, here we go. So Cam Champ, right here, T20. What was the day that he was horrible? I want to say it was Friday. Yeah. Lost four strokes to the field on Friday. Okay. So if we just look at the other three rounds, which I know you can't do, he gained nine and a half strokes to the field over three rounds, rounds one, three, and four, nine and a half. So that is, uh, boy, I'm good at math. Three, basically 3.3 over the course of, uh, on, on average, right? So 3.3 over four rounds is 12. It's like 13. It's like gaining 13 strokes to the field. So if he kept that pace, which I know you can't do, and you can say this for everybody in the field, you could say it for Cam Young, who had a bad round. You could say it for Patrick Cantlay, who had a bad round. Um, like showed the upside to finish runner up is basically what I'm getting at. Now, I'd argue this is not a good spot for him. Right. So we'll catch up with Camp Champ down the road. Um, you know, assuming he gets into the playoffs, which I haven't checked his FedEx Cup standings yet, and assume he gets through the first leg, I think Wilmington, there is uh I got to do a little bit more research on Wilmington Country Club. We've never seen it before. I'll be there. If anybody's gonna be there at Wilmington Country Club, I'll be there. I'll I'll meet up with you. Um I think that might be a better spot for him. 
so we'll see. I know it's a lot of ifs, ands, and buts, but we'll see. We'll see if Camp Champ can get there. Otherwise, Brendan Todd fits the mold. Um, but there's not a lot of super interesting options, or at least that I'm interested in, in the 7K range. I'd be thrilled to go back to Smotherman at 7,000. I'd be pretty thrilled to go back to David Lipsky at 7,000. Vince Whaley, um, let me see what I can pull up on Vince here. I think this is an interesting stat profile, okay? Um, you have a guy who's made four straight cuts, T17 at the Rocket Mortgage, fifth place finish at the Barbasol. He has been putting the lights out. Uh, fairly reliant on the putter. So his last four measured, he's gained 9, 10, like 18 strokes putting. Okay, that's a lot. I will say, though, his ball striking is getting better. Like this stretch from Punta Cana to Charles Schwab was horrible. You know, he lost six strokes in Mexico, lost two and a half to Wells Fargo. He was basically losing every single week. We're seeing a little bit of an improvement in the ball striking categories, not the travelers. He was bad there, but everywhere else we're seeing a little bit of an improvement. I don't mind taking a little bit of, of a flyer on, on Whaley here. I think you're going to get a pretty good deal on him playing well. Um, if this thing's turns into a, but, a putting contest, I don't mind his chances. Here's the 6K range sorted by last 30 rounds just by strokes gain total. Um, Michael Gligic is 6,800. I might be the Gligic whisperer, right? Because we basically got all the juice we could squeeze out of Gligic during this stretch. 40th, 10th, 21st, 31st, 16th. I looked at Detroit Golf Club last week and I was like, oh, that's probably not great for him. Missed the cut. I might be the the world-renowned Gligic whisperer. I don't know if that's a thing. I don't know if I want that. Um, but I think I think this is a time to get back in. Right, so we got to we got to play the ebbs and flows here. Um, when you look at the missed cut from last week, it was a fairly decent missed cut. He gained strokes off the tee, was a small negative on approach. He gained a little bit around the greens, and he lost 1.7 strokes putting. So when you lose 1.2 to the field, and 1.7 is what you lost with the putter, and in his four measured starts before that, he had gained, geez, 15 strokes putting, 16 strokes putting. Um, I think we can say there's a chance that this is the outlier. We'll see. His his putter's been all over the place. He's going through these little slumps, um, these rallies. I, I don't know, but we're still seeing decent ball striking. If we give him a little bit of a better putter for this week on a golf course that I think is a lot better for him, I don't mind going right back to Gligic off the miscut. Now, contrast that with Hadley, Cheston Hadley, who I kind of thought, um, hey, maybe we could go back to this week. You know, because he was on a great run before this and he's played okay at the Wyndham Championship in the past, right? Let's pull up his results from the Wyndham. Uh, last year, he finished T15. I think he made an ace last year, right? Am I remembering that correctly? Made an ace to get in on the number as golfer 125. So he's made the cut here in four straight, five of six. That T15 by far is best finish. His next best finish was a T45. So it's not like a lot of upside, but. You know, you look at this stat profile and this miscut from the Rocket Morgan, this is a little bit more concerning. Lost strokes off the tee, which is fine for him. Losing strokes on approach, 1.7 of them, that's a little troublesome. Uh, two in total in the ball striking categories, which he hasn't done in, you know, five or six starts. Then he hemorrhaged some around the green as well. I mean, he even putted well, he even gained basically a stroke and a quarter per round over the first two rounds and still missed the cut at the Rocket. That to me... That's a little bit more concerning. I'm like a three out of 10 in terms of confidence. Like if you wanted to go back to Hadley, you could probably give me the hard sell on it. I don't think I'll get there. I'd probably just go back to back to Gligic instead. Um, 
and and feel fine about that. What else do we have here? Um, Rory Sabatini, $6,900. He's got just a great track record around here, especially his last uh, five. He has three top 10 finishes. Uh, what'd they price Sung Yul now at? <laughs> Are we going to go back to Sung Yul? Okay, 6,300. Let's just do it real quick. Let's just look. Because um, I know he was much more popular last week at the flat $6,000. Missed the cut on the number. How did he do it? Lost three strokes off the tee. Yeah, that's going to happen when you are neither long nor straight. Um, lost strokes on approach for the first time in in three measured starts or four measured starts. I mean, it wasn't it wasn't that bad, right? So th- when I say that, here's what I look at: he putted just the way he had been putting during the stretch where he missed, made the cut in five straight. He played around the green the same as he had in those events. Uh, approach play, or, I'm sorry, off the tee, basically the same right? Not good. The only thing that was different was he lost 1.3 on approach instead of gaining. Uh, And when I see kind of just one thing be different, you could make the case that he's not that far off and then he missed the cut on the number. I actually think he put, now I got to look this up because he might've, he might've put something in the water on Friday. Let me, let me just check it. If you've made it this far, if you made it this far, you want to know the answer to this. Let me just check. Yeah, I mean, like here's this here's this here's his scorecard. He made a seven on number two uh in round two, which was yanking one left OB, taking a provisional and yanking one left OB again, right? So he lost, you can see it right here, round two alone on number two. Number two, round two, one hole, he lost four strokes off the tee on that single hole. Uh so if we go back and look at this. If I'm reading this correctly, the guy lost 3.17 off the tee for the week and lost four on one hole. So 35 other holes, he was a positive golfer. I think I'm willing to forgive that, aren't I? Aren't I willing to forgive that? And then that kind of really impacts his his ball striking numbers as well. Now I'm in a Sungyul no rabbit hole. So this is also kind of interesting too. Uh, Round two on approach. He lost 1.3 total. Uh, that was two holes. He lost 0.8 on 11 and 0.75 on 12. Otherwise, he was, again, a, a, a positive for the for the day, which would have made him a positive for... No, it wouldn't have, because he lost someone in round one as well. Um, look at what he did on 12. So 12, he sprays it way right off the tee. No surprise. Hits his, so his approach shot then only goes... 130 yards and he was 180 that could have been lie that could have been hit a tree i don't know what he did but he came up 50 yards short and then uh he he like did he top another oh no no he hit us what is this graph is is off oh no sorry okay it says uh sorry it says two for round two I, I was thinking shot too. Okay, so I was confused. Um, and then he hit the green from there. But like that could have been anything. So like I guess I guess what I'm saying is, and I could probably do this for every golfer in the field is like go back and look shot by shot and say, oh, they got unlucky or whatever. But I, I've spent too much time on Sung Yil No. You get my point. I, I think the stats might be a little bit worse than they than he actually played. I don't know. We'll find out. Um, all right, let's run a model and we'll get out of here. All right. Oh boy, I got a lot of stuff to work with now. Okay, let's do, man, now that, now I've got a lot of options. All right, let's do last, um, actually the model last week, I think had Patrick Cantlay number one, Tony Finau was up there as well. Uh, I think Scott Stallings was up there. Okay, let's do, 
last 20 rounds. And boy, I really got to figure out how I'm going to do this now. Okay. And I got a lot of options. So let's talk off the tee. Start off the tee. I want to obviously uh, reward accuracy. And I'm going to do that here with 20 weights. And then for approach play, uh, a lot of shots come from that 150 to 175, but you guys know how I feel about that. So let's do... Let's do uh, weighted strokes gained approach for uh, 15. Then let's do nothing around the green. Uh, And then for putting, here's what we'll do. We'll do strokes gained putting on Bermuda, 20. I think that's going to be pretty important. Turns into a putting contest a little bit. So I still have 45. Now let's do fantasy points gained. Yeah, baby. It's a fantasy point game we're playing. Put 25 there. Leaves us with 20. I could do... Birdie or better, a bogey avoidance. Those are kind of all factored into uh, fantasy points as well. I could do strokes gain on par fours, right? Par 70. Hmm. Let's also do... Okay, let's do par four. That's good. There's Yeah, there's a bunch of them. So that leaves us with 20. Also, by the way, um, I don't think I mentioned it, but I think this was like the five or six player playoff last year. So when you see a guy who finished T7... Like, I think, like, Webb finished T7 last year. That was one shot out of the playoff. So, maybe use strokes gain, which we generally do anyway. So, that's that's fine. Uh, okay. My number one golfer is... <laughs> Sungjae. Wow. Sungjae 1, Brendan Todd 2, Brian Harmon 3, Denny McCarthy 4, Davis Riley 5. As if I didn't love the 8K range enough, three of my top five players are in the 8k range jt poston's number nine so okay so horschel six lowry seven long is eight giddy up nine for jt poston and 10 for Corey Connors. russell henley's 11 by the way wow lots of new stats flowing in and a lot of them now more more and more of them are coming in round by round so this is this is quite interesting love sungjay at number one billy horschel at six is kind of low-key cool Adam Long at eight is great. Poston at nine. Corey Connor. Okay, this is fun. This is fun. I love this. I got a little bit of work to do, especially on like Brendan Todd, Brian Harmon, and if I want to go back to Davis Riley, that one might, that might haunt me a little bit. We'll see. Um, okay, that'll do it. Again, last call for big. Well. They could be little or they could be big. Suggestions, updates, whatever you want to see to the website. You need to email me now. Uh, go to rickrungo.com, click more, contact Rick, or email me rick at rickrungo.com. Okay, best of luck this week. Tweet me at rickrungood. Goodbye, good luck.